Hi, my name is Brian Green, and I'm the host of the Healthcare IT Talks podcast. Today, we have with us Stephen Nichols and Chris Lindop, who are interoperability leaders at GE Healthcare. Both of them have a lot of experience with IHE, DICOM, and HL7, and various other standards. And today, I wanted to talk to them about the future of DICOM Web in the healthcare industry. We also talk a little bit about cybersecurity in this talk. Uh, as well as IHE profiles for AI. AI is all the rage right now, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So let's dive in, and then be sure to come back for part two of my talk with Chris and Steve. Both Chris and I are part of a central interoperability team at GE Healthcare, and so we have, I'd say, probably three main um, objectives of our group. One is to help our product teams implement interoperability standards in a conformant manner. So, and, and when we talk interoperability standards, it's um, HL7, uh, V2, HL7 Fire, DICOM, and the IHE profiles that go along with it. And, and then there are some through IHE, other standards that we may dabble in, such as um, audit trails or OAuth or SOAP or other things like that. So we, we try and help our products uh, implement those at ideally at the architecture level. So when they start uh, developing a product, they're mm -hmm. building interoperability in from the beginning. Um, we also represent GE in a lot of these external work groups. So um, Chris, myself, and other colleagues, we participate in um, DICOM, HL7, um, and IHE. So in totality, there's about 14 work groups that we find key. It sounds like a lot, but if you think of GE Healthcare, um, we're, we're participating on behalf of our monitoring devices, on yeah. our digital packs, our VNA devices, um, our, our digital you know, AI products, and our modalities. So yeah. we uh, cover uh, you know, that kind of ambassadorship across all of those work yeah, groups. Yeah, it's a lot. So, and then it's a lot. And, and then the third thing is testing. Um, so we actually, um, not with us, our colleague Hervé, uh, who I would say is one of the top DICOM experts in the world, um, authors and creates our own internal um, DICOM test tools. Um, and we also uh, work with you know, him and other, other team members to qualify and use other external test tools, whether it's for DICOM HL7 or, or whatnot. There's a whole lot of test tools out there uh, for yeah. conformance. And so we want to take advantage of those because uh, those are great, uh, you know, kind of a, a spell checker, if you would, to our interoperability. So. Yeah, it seems like that actually might be one of the unique things about GE is that a lot of that comes internal from GE, where a lot of other, a lot of other vendors maybe are using test tools that are open source or out on the internet somewhere from you know a toolkit vendor or something like that. It seems like a lot of what we have is sort of built from the ground up. Mm -hmm. um, Quite true. Of course, but of course that said, we do use some toolkits within GE, right? Yep. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, you just don't like want to homegrown your own. Uh, DICOM core toolkit, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're way too complicated, and it's so easy to make mistakes, and the validation is just horrendous on a toolkit. Yeah. Now, leave, yeah. that, leave that to a specialty. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, I, that's kind of my question is, uh, in, in the real world, um, you know, what's the comparison there between building your own? You know, there are some people that set out for DICOM and HL7 and fire and they're building their own solution end to end and a lot of folks are using toolkits one of the things that 
customers will talk to us about sometimes is they'll say, oh, you guys are using a toolkit. So you're using a third party vendor. And, um, you know, a lot of times we'll come back and say, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing because they're experts, right? <laughs> right? Yep. Um, well, the VA team actually did has their own uh, toolkit. They've developed it themselves. But yeah. you have to remember that's been done over 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. They have the experience, the expertise, the knowledge that put together that toolkit. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. not generally the case for most, for most, uh, even even, yeah. even our teams. Uh, I, I recall we had one toolkit that uh, was built, uh, in, I believe it was, I forget where it was built, doesn't matter, but uh, uh, it just changed hands all the time. And the, you know, and the, you know, the expertise just wasn't there, the, you know, the, the handoff of the capability. So it's really important to have that. Yeah, and I, I would add, so we we see a mix of GE, right? Because it's a, it's a big company. You have a lot of um, mm -hmm. legacy products. There's a lot of products through acquisition. There's some products that are organic. Mm -hmm. And so in totality, we've seen anywhere, you know, depending on, on how you count, you know, so maybe nine to a dozen different uh, DICOM toolkits. And so through our goal is through a testing-based strategy to to drive that consistency. Because our, our big thing yeah, is we want to yeah. make sure customers have a consistent experience with whether it's an X-ray machine or an ultrasound machine or a CT scanner, they're all connecting to the same endpoints on the customer side. So they're the same, yeah. you know, the same risks, the same BNA, the same packs. And so we want to make sure that the characteristics of those systems are identical so that they're not having headaches and having to do something different um, for a vascular system than, than what they would for their CT system. So, um, yeah. So since we're talking about DICOM, I feel like I need to bring up DICOM web because I, you know, we've all been hearing that DICOM web is going to be all the rage in another year, another two years or what have you. And I did recently see that, um, uh, GE released an ultrasound device that uses, uh, DICOM web to send images, mm -hmm. which, uh, I haven't seen many vendors doing that yet. And I'm hoping that maybe that's going to become something more and more common. So what do you guys think about DICOM web and, and where we are with that and, and where folks watching this podcast could expect us to go forward with that? Is it industry or is GE? Chris, I'll let you go on that because you helped the team with that <laughs> implementation. So I helped them with the implementation. I actually was a joint author in the beginning days of DICOM web. But, uh, but, but, but regardless, uh, you know, the goal is is that this is really going to be a game changer. Uh, the the capability of actually doing uh, using uh, restful restful cap uh, restful tools to mm -hmm. publish and retrieve and query. Uh, these yeah. are capabilities that are being used throughout you know throughout the industry besides healthcare. Uh, yeah. and it's basically it's it's how, it's how everyone else does business. Uh, we're a little late at the game. But we're catching up, uh, yeah. and I I think that the hardest part is that uh, many of our many of our systems are so our legacy systems are so entwined into doing the way that they've been doing, DICOM, yeah. uh, that it will be a, a long time <laughs> before we have. It's like electric cars. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, there, but there's not enough charging stations, right? And when, yeah. and when you say it's, uh, you know, that we're behind, I think you're talking about the industry as a whole, right? The um, industry as a whole, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the DICOM web is so easy. Uh, I, I, I remember yeah. when we first started 
you know, trying it out and testing it. It's like, well, you know, anyone can do this. You can grab a kid, you know, yeah. in school. You know, yeah. actually, probably can grab a high schooler and, and have them yeah. start coding because, yeah, because, start because it's that data. simple. And consuming yeah, yeah. data. Yeah. I, and customers that have our enterprise archive, they have a DICOM web interface sitting there in their environment. If you want yep. to use web services to interact with it, it's sitting there waiting yeah. for you to do that. And I can it's count on one hand how many times I've seen people actually use it, right? All yep. those products out there. But I guess, you know, my question for you guys would be if you were talking to, um, you know, a, a somebody, you know, one of our members of our audience might be a PAX administrator or enterprise imaging. How does this change their job, DICOM way? Because everybody's living in this world of I'm going to put in an A title and IP and a port number. And that's how everything communicates with my VNA and with my PACs and workstations and what have you. So it changes for them if we start seeing more DICOM web. I'd say in some ways it, it, it simplifies, you know, so the, the essence of DICOM web is it doesn't invent anything new. So the authors of DICOM um, in DICOM web give a, a restful transformation of what they call the DIMC services. So they're, everything in DICOM web has a pointer back to part three or part four or one of the other parts of the standard. Um, but there are some things that it simplifies. So like, you know, transfer syntax and things like that are a little bit more standardized and less, um, you know, a little less mystery around them in DICOM web. So something like, you know, Stow, for example, and, and that's where we've seen it with our products and implementing. So our, our lightweight devices, so like a media manager or point of care ultrasound. Um, yeah. They they can use Stow to um, publish, if you would, a, a native DICOM IOD to a um, a VNA system. But then we also on something like Media Manager, you can take a photograph and you upload your photograph along with your metadata, and it becomes a DICOM image um, on the yeah. server. So those those are things, um, and with that, um, you're. Uh, a little less mysterious uh, mystery around your networking because um, you're dealing with HTTP, HTTPS, so a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of less stress when it comes to moving things through firewalls. You're not getting we've we've seen false positives on some firewalls with because um, as as the firewall vendors try to um, address vulnerabilities or whatnot that they they think may yeah. exist in DICOM or do exist in DICOM, um, you can yeah. have troubles with that. And and you get some of the security. I mean, we have products that do the basic authentication. Um, you can couple it with OAuth and things like that. So I think that was going to go ahead. Yeah, my next question was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, let's talk about security for a second because yep. um, I, I, again, I can count on one hand how many people are actually using DICOM TLS, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we as a business in GE, we get all these requests from customers to do these security risk evaluations for modalities for software and yep. all that stuff. And they're all talking about encryption and TLS. And then in the real world, nobody actually turns it on. So do you think with DICOM web, you know, maybe we could start doing this. Maybe we could start by doing it right instead of building this environment where nobody's using any security features. Yep. What do you think? I, I think I think so. I'd say just from my own experience using Enterprise Archive as because we have these products internally, too, that we, we do mm -hmm. testing with our own products because it'd, it'd be insane not to. Um, yeah. 
And and not being administrator of something like EA, um, they did a nice job because they use some of the Windows services um, for certificate management. So uh, mm -hmm. for me, managing a certificate on EA is no different than the certificate manager on my Windows 10 laptop. So there is that, yeah. you know, that familiar aspect of, of dealing with that, which I think a lot of administrators enjoy. Um, and 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 ICOM web that it's, it's just kind of that progression of that. So that's how I would see it. Um, yeah. It, so hopefully we'll be living in a world where nobody's using the HTTP version of these web services. It's all HTTPS, right? Yep. And it's natively already TLS. Right. Well, and you, you mentioned, uh, you, you did mention the, uh, the, the ultrasound group, that, uh, the, our modality group that actually has implemented. Uh, they actually had, they were required to implement the HTTPS version. Uh, and, yeah. you know, if, especially yeah, when you're doing be. it with a device that's yeah, no yeah, longer yeah, within course. the hospital. Well, here's a question. I, I think a lot of folks don't use DICOM TLS because it's a pain to set up, right? <laughs> you got to have, have your certificates and manage all so, right? that. You know, it's kind of a lower layer than, than you do with HTTP. It seems like HTTPS and yeah. web services, it's a little bit easier to configure things like encryption and authentication and all that sort of stuff, right? I mean... Well, you know, one of the reasons why it is much easier yeah. is, is that your infrastructure, your Windows system has all this security, you know, infrastructure right. built in. And because of that, you, yeah. can, you, you basically inherit it by the box that you're sitting on. Uh, and that's very important. Yes. Uh, you know, for, it, you know, how do we, how I would do say we manage too, this? Well, when Windows it comes to DICOM TLS. Or, you know, or iOS. I don't, yes. want, <laughs> it's, it's I don't know what the claim would be, but there's a lot of, Di of GE products that do implement it because we have an internal cybersecurity team that drives that. <laughs> almost, so, all <laughs> almost all of them. Almost all of them. And, and, and yeah. we've, even in our monitoring team with our HL7 gateway <clears throat> products and whatnot, they're implementing yeah. HL7 oh, yeah. over yep. TLS. But I think yeah. one of the challenges is I, I think more of a process issue and in in the world of imaging um it there's sometimes an expectation that a modality or a product like an x-ray machine is administered by mm -hmm. the ge service representative and so i think in general there's a lot of reliance on the vendors to manage um, the cybersecurity and the certificates. And um, it really is something that needs to be owned by the, the healthcare delivery organization. In fact, there was a, a joint white paper, um, boy, it was like 10 years ago, written by Nima, Kosir, and Jira. And they, they laid out that, that, that notion of, of cybersecurity and, and they you know, in it, there was some vendor responsibilities, which is to provide the frameworks for certificate management and TLS and, and all that. Yeah. And then and then it's really up to the the HDOs to put the policies in place and manage, um, you know, the certificate expiration and and, um, and 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 that. And I don't think that's really caught on. And so that's 
one of the challenges, because we're, you know, I participate in DICOM Work Group 14, which is their cybersecurity group. And one of the topics we review in every work group meeting is what are the hot topics or where is where is DICOM in the press, in, in the news? And, you know, because yeah. there are, um, you'll see public, you know, reports of, you know, an yeah, archive yeah. was breached or a researcher found uh, 114 archives that were exposed on the internet, um, whether they be for research or product. And, and, and in all of those cases, it boils down to an implementation, something wasn't enabled that could have been enabled and, mm -hmm. and left the system exposed. So it's yeah. that, I think that's the hardest challenge is the tools are there. They, are they always, are they as easy to use as a web browser certificate? Definitely not. And, right. and that maybe that's what the inhibitor is, but there's something there, there's, there's that gap. And I don't think, um, either the industry or the standards group have quite figured out how to bridge that. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's not like this is unique to DICOM. I mean, all the standards that you deal with have security. I'm, is there anything else you could tell us about the, because uh, cybersecurity is a hot topic right now in healthcare, right? I mean, everyone's starting to onboard these uh, cybersecurity um, uh, risk assessment mm -hmm. requirements and, and putting vendors through this uh, more enhanced risk assessment because there's been attacks on modalities and now there's been you know of course there was the news about the uh, some some vulnerabilities in DICOM itself right there was like yeah. a a DICOM uh, injection attack that somebody came up with right which is only a matter of time um, are there anything else in that DICOM working group that's that would be of interest um, well actually right now we're going through an update of the um... BCP 195. So those are the best practices around TLS. So those are getting an update in part 15. Um, so they're retiring the older um, TLS, you know, yeah, 1.0, 1.2 1. 1. uh, downgrading. So that yeah. that will be a change um, that we'll see. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, I know we're always looking at uh, whether it's in IHE or DICOM, other potential areas where something could be exposed. So say, for example, in DICOM web, um, you could perform a query, um, a, a, a queries resource on using DICOM web, and you can include a patient name in the URI. And so we, we're working on a change proposal right now in IHE, just adding yeah. some reminders to implementers to say, hey, um, think about where this is being logged. So if you have your um, your web server is logging URIs, um, you want to make sure that the right people don't have access to those or, you know, uh, right people do or don't have access to those because it, it could expose PHI. So Yeah, if you just implement the standard without any change, then it, it leaves you vulnerable to somebody, you know, going and mining for your data, right? Yeah. You just start putting in random stuff and see if it works, right? So you can't just, it, it, that's where it requires a real deep understanding of, of how the standard works and what these web services are exposing, right? Um, yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a left, like, left, right look like we do with um, post-market stuff, you know? And, and mm -hmm. so, you know, the other example that we see is we, we're involved in a lot of product design reviews. And so um, when we see a product team that's implementing, so even, even DICOM Web, the, you know, typical questions are, are you following the audit log triggers? Because uh, the same mm -hmm. audit log triggers that you would implement for Dimsy also apply to DICOM Web. And so don't, you yeah. know, don't forget those and stuff like that. <laughs> right, so, yeah, it's easy to, um, oh, well, it's just DICOM Web, right? Don't have to worry about it, right? But yeah, yeah it's, um, 
is there so switching gears a little bit um uh we could talk about ihe maybe for a minute um one thing i i think that ihe is uh for the audience that that watches this podcast that we create this podcast for that's the boots on the ground right the pragmatic folks that are managing these systems and building enterprise imaging systems i think a lot of times we forget about ihe profiles and how that helps us um we take it for granted right like swf has been around for a long time uh everybody pretty much uses some flavor of swf right uh of scheduled workflow but are there other ihe profiles that folks maybe should know about that maybe would be helpful for them to understand or to know mm -hmm. There's quite a few, but even even the train that we've been talking about, uh, uh, DICOM Web, we have uh, we have a couple of profiles already that would help uh, help help individuals actually implement uh, implement the standard. One of the key things about IHE is that it really tries to give you a basic template blueprint on how to implement how to implement the standard because if in a standard. There are so many different variables. You don't even know where to begin. So many things are optional. What's important? What's not important? Well, that's what IET tries to do. And so uh, when you look at the standards for uh, uh, web image capture, uh, web, you know, Im Im image capture with the web, uh, you'll see that there's a very basic fundamental minimum amount of attributes of, 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 require, of requirements that you have to yes. do to actually you know, publish a uh, you know, you know, send a, 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 an image. Uh, you know, and 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 with with standards like <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, that helps you to actually try something that'll actually work, that's actually usable. Because that's the other thing. Yeah. You know, you have so many things. What's 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 required to make this usable? And that's what IHG tries to do, right? You know, make it usable, make it functional, functional. And so WIC would be a definitely. A, uh, a profile that one would absolutely have to do. Um, we have plenty of new standards. You know, we have new, uh, we have uh, new, new uh, temp, uh, new, new, new uh, profiles. That's rage um, right now. So we yep. could, we could mention a few. I mean, if you're doing uh, AI as an example, there is the AI. <clears throat> we're all doing that, right? So there is the uh, a the AIR in the AI results profile, which actually defines mm -hmm. a standard for. Uh, for how how do you capture the uh, the information in a DICOM SR object, okay. and there's also the uh, there's the AIW, which is actually how do you actually manage yeah. or orchestrate the workflow for 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 your for your uh, for your for for your applications. Um, certainly, uh, you know the other so the EO group is looking at the uh, AIW. It seems and, like what and, happens and a as lot well as is other, some of folks will see a need in their institution, really some, some you know some department or some workflow that that they need to support, and they just kind of start to try to build their own solution. And meanwhile, IAG is sitting over here with kind of an already somebody already did the thought exercise of figuring out the right way to make this work and integrate and to drive the workflow. <laughs> And it's kind of funny. Sometimes you'll see these workflows, and it's almost like, right. you know, they kind of did something very similar. And sometimes it's completely different, yeah. and maybe it's not scalable, or you know, what have you. But um, yeah, I'd say the thing that's interesting with the AI, in, in with the two AI profiles, they're they're both in um, 
in in the trial trial phase, right? So they were introduced last year. On the AI reporting, we're starting to see um, quite a bit of uptake on the DICOM SR um, TID fifteen hundred. So we do see a lot of products implementing that both inside and outside of GE. So that's the one thing that yeah. seems to have gotten some traction from that. Um, with the AI workflow um, trial implementation, what's interesting with that is that um, there's a lot of interest in um, different pieces of of that profile. So, um, for example, we participate in the RSNA um, AI demo every year, and and I don't think um, there were too many, Chris would know better than I would, but of, of any participants that implemented everything in AI workflow, but I know, okay. you know, we, we, we implemented this HL, you know, an HL7 um, message from this part of it and the group over there implemented another part of it. So there is, it, it is good to see that, you know, even though that, that entire uh, workflow profile may not be um, implemented, there's, there's enough parts that that we hit correctly that um that there's interest in so